0: Hey guys, welcome back to Thick and Thin with me, Katie Bilotti. Hope you guys are doing well. When this episode drops, it will be my birthday. I will officially be 27 years old, not 26 anymore. The big 27 officially. And honestly, I'm not scared to get older. 27's actually an age I've been looking forward to for a very long time and I mean, 27 is my lucky number, mainly because I turn every new age on the 27th. My birthday is the 27th, in other words. So, 27's always just been this like number I've held close to me. Obviously, it's the birthday reason, but also just something about 27 just feels right. It just feels like a good, juicy, great number. So now I'm here in 27, like it's officially. The year I've been looking forward to, the year I really thought that I would have my shit together, the year I honestly thought I would be married <laughs> and have not kids. I didn't think I'd have kids at 27. Of course not. That wasn't in my plan. My plan was I'd get engaged at 27 and then have kids like as soon as I turned 30 because that's just what I thought sounded good. You know, there's all these like, adolescent conversations about like, when did your parents get married? Or I don't know why we thought we had this right to plan our lives so perfectly when we didn't even know what sex was. Like that was really um, the time that everyone was like, ooh, when are you gonna get married? My very close friend from childhood, I woke up on, what day was it? When, wait, what day is it now? It's Wednesday. Was it Monday I woke up? I think, I don't even know. when are, what The days are all running together, but I woke up one morning and... If you guys can't tell from how I'm speaking, I'm like literally grinning ear to ear as I'm saying this because I'm so happy for her. My very close childhood friend, I have like a handful, very small handful of friends from home and she is my like OG friend from home, like the friend from home that I grew up with, the one that I was like 10 years old with, like that sort of friend. And she's engaged to the love of her life. Like I woke up because there was a loud noise outside my window and I looked at my phone because I wanted to see what time it was and I saw the announcement. Like, I saw in our group chat just like a picture of her hand. And I'm like, oh my God, this is not like my groggy, blurry morning eyes looking at this picture, knowing exactly what had happened, like even just from the outline of it. Like, <laughs> honestly, such an exciting, happy moment. But I remember us. To having a conversation when we were young about like when all this was going to start happening for us and whatever. And yeah, 27 was that year. But though I'm not engaged, though I don't even have a boyfriend at the moment at 27, I know that my young self would be very proud of where I am. She'd probably consider me to be like very sex in the city. <laughs> Just like, yeah, I think she'd be happy to see where I've ended up in my very neutral apartment. I don't know if you guys remember if you're an OG YouTube follower, but I – actually begged my parents to paint my bedroom. This was back, how old was I? Like, I think I was a freshman in high school and I was like, mom and dad, I really want my bedroom to be bleaker beige. I could have chosen any color. Like my parents were being like, they're like, whatever color you want, let's go to, what's that store where you buy paint from? I know it's like Benjamin Moore is like a paint company, but... I don't know where. It was like just some like hardware store, I think. And we went to the hardware store and they're like, you can pick any color you want. And of course, I don't know why. I was so obsessed with growing up that I was like bleaker beige, perfect. I have no idea why I wanted that. I think probably someone on YouTube, one of the older girls that I looked up to probably painted her room beige. And I was like, this is perfect. Like, let me just be an old woman at not an old woman because I love beige now, but you know what I mean? Like, let me be all grown up freshman year of high school because I was obsessed with growing up. I was obsessed with just wanting to be taken seriously and wanting to get to the next chapter. I was so sick of being a high schooler. I was very sick of being young. And, you know, it's the same thing, like the 13 going on 30 mentality. It's that movie where she's like, I just want to be, what is it? Flirty, 30 and thriving that sort of thing. And she says it over and over again. Then like, poof, she's there. And she's like, oh shit, I want to be young again. Like, I hate being old or like, it's just a lot of pressure and I did things wrong and whatever. I just, I'm really focusing now. Like, I didn't do a great job of it when I was growing up maybe, but I want to do a better job now of just living in my present age, in my present place, time, being, situation, body, all of the above, just like Being present. I feel like every year I'm always saying I want to be more present. But it is hard. There's a lot of challenges that come about things that make you not want to be present, make you think of the past and obsess over it and make yourself feel bad about it, like what you could have done. And then there's... Another pressure of like looking to the future and seeing other people feels like they're miles ahead of you and you're behind and you need to pick up the slack and get to where you're supposed to be. But who is to say where we're supposed to be right now? You know, like 27 looks different For so many people, some people already have two kids by now. Some people, you know, don't even have a permanent address or backpacking around Europe or are just like me, just trying to figure out what they want to do with their lives. Like there are so many different versions of what 27 looks like, and I would say we're lucky to live in this era of time where it's okay to have many different versions. You don't have to be that housewife with the perfect hair and the pot roast cooking and having the drinks perfectly ready for when your husband walks in the door and says, honey, I'm home. Like, it can look a million different ways now, which I just try to stay positive, look for the silver lining. Anyway, let's get into the episode. And to begin, I just want to go back in time a little bit, just actually two days ago, to Monday, my Monday afternoon. I was walking through Greenwich Village where I used to live, I actually noticed as I was walking through to my usual coffee spot that I love so, so much, one that I actually venture like 15 minutes from my apartment to instead of just going to the ones on my corners because I just love this coffee shop so much. It's called Irving Farm. If you guys know Greenwich Village, I was walking over there and I noticed that my old apartment, I actually used to live right over there for a little while. My studio, like the sun drenched studio I had before I moved to LA, the scaffolding was finally coming down from this building. (laughs) And it's crazy because I moved into that building And loved it. And then it was almost kind of just this crazy timing of COVID hitting, but also scaffolding going up and blocking the windows entirely. So I knew I had to leave because COVID was scary. I wanted to go home and be with my family. And I didn't know where I wanted to be, hence the LA move. That was like just me kind of spiraling out of control. But also the scaffolding, like I need natural light. That's a huge factor for me when I'm looking at apartments. I'd rather live in a little square box Than a large apartment with really bad lighting. Like, I need sunlight or I will actually go crazy. And for what I do for work, obviously, I need good light to film things. But I noticed they were finally taking this scaffolding down off my building. And I was like, well, I I call it my building. It's not my building anymore, but I still consider it to be my building. And I was like, wow, it's been like, I think three years now that this scaffolding has been up it's a massive building so it obviously took a long time to do the bricks there's this actually code now in the city where if the bricks on the facade of the building were installed in a certain year a certain i think it's like before 19 something you have to completely redo it i think it's not even the brick it's the grout in between the bricks so you can keep the same brick technically but you have to redo the grout in between so It took like three years for this to be done. You're like, Katie, why are you saying this? Well, I'll get to that in a minute, but I noticed this as I was walking on my way to the coffee shop. And I was going to the coffee shop to meet up with an old friend of mine. And I guess friend is kind of a stretch here because we actually just lived on the same cul-de-sac growing up in Maryland and actually have a nine-year age difference. So we've always known each other. Like I've always known her. She's always known me. But the last time I've seen her, In real life, she was actually seven years old. So she's now 19. And the last I'd heard was she moved to the city to model and to attend NYU. Like when I was back home, I remember my mom mentioning it and saying, Oh, do you remember this girl? And I was like, Yeah, mom. Like my mom loves bringing up people from the past. And I'm like, Mom, I moved away for a reason. Like I don't really care so much about Maryland people anymore, aside from you guys, of course. But I remember hearing about this girl moving to New York, and I didn't really think anything of it because a lot of people move to New York every single year. But I always respected this girl. Like, I always thought she was very sweet, very well mannered. Like, she was just, you know, a girl that I kind of knew. So, my mom not too long ago sent me this link to her modeling website, and my jaw hit the floor. Like, she was a real life model, real live fashion week walking model. Meanwhile, like, my last memory of her was when she was 7 years old. So she's all grown up now. I felt so old in that moment, but also so proud of her that this neighborhood I used to live in when I was growing up, this very cookie cutter house neighborhood, we both got out, we both made it to the city, we both, you know, are living lives fully just determined by us and it's kind of cool to see. It was really cool to see. I almost felt like she was like my twin in a way, like my younger twin. So, my much younger old friend, she organized this coffee chat. She actually reached out to me and she needed someone to talk to about just what she was doing in her life because she's 19 years old. She's a model by day or a, no, a model almost like on the weekends, but a student at MIU by day. She's a freshman in college and she's living this like Hannah Montana sort of life. So – I was thinking like when she texted me a little blurb about what she wanted to grab coffee about and talk about, I was like, oh gosh, this girl is debating if she wants to drop out of college and just pursue modeling full-time. That was just my guess. I was like, you know, I've been there too. Like I went to college with my YouTube career kind of blossoming and I was really nervous about going to college and potentially ruining all of that and... I saw like where I wanted to go or like I was really good at this thing, YouTube making videos when I was 19 years old as well. And I was like, I don't want to throw that all away just to go to college where I don't even need college. Like all these girls are moving to LA to be YouTubers and no one needs college, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, this girl seems a lot like me, just even in the initial text. Like she seems like she really wants to just grow the fuck up, get over this time of life. Like who cares about being 19? Like I want to be... Heidi Klum. Like I want who's another famous model? Bella Hadid, like, you know, or the greats like Naomi Campbell. So, back to the story. So, I we're at coffee. We were talking for like an hour. As I was talking with her and just hearing about her modeling, like all the gigs that she's booked and all the stuff that she's doing, I was just feeling this like weird, weird, weird feeling. And it wasn't the caffeine rush. I had like three coffees that day, so it definitely – maybe it was partially that, but I felt this just rush of nostalgia because it really wasn't that long ago when I was in her shoes. Like I – Was very similar to her. Maybe it's just because we grew up in the same neighborhood and there was a lot of pressure in this neighborhood to be a certain way and to look a certain way and to get the grades. You know, just very classic suburban town that a lot of us grew up in where there's just a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure everywhere, but we had the similar experience. Like, both of us kind of outcasted in our youth, like, weren't really the cool people to look at in terms of like, this person is really killing it in this time of their life. Like, I don't think either of us would consider our peak of life to be middle school, high school, or just any time where we were in this town. So we're chatting and I just saw so many similarities. Like, I, freshman year of college, when I was in her exact shoes, I was the queen of control. I went into college having always had my shit together, Yes, people made fun of me for various things in high school, and I felt kind of like a loner and an outcast, but I, all the while, would come in with my hair perfectly straightened. I... Tried my best at getting good grades. I definitely wasn't well gifted in the like test taking area, and I knew that I didn't get like straight A's by any means, but I really tried very hard. I had, you know, color coordinated notebooks with all the highlighters, and I was just really had my shit together. Editor of the newspaper would run two miles before school every morning, shower, blow dry, straighten my hair, do my eyeliner every single day, coffee, like routine, very. Just I had it all together, or at least I tried. And I was really thinking, okay, well, I'm going to go to college. I'm just going to continue like this. Hopefully it goes as quick as possible and I can get my degree so I have something to fall back on just in case YouTube doesn't work out. Like just in case, like I just need to get that degree. That's really the only reason why I was there. Sure, I wanted to see if maybe I could make some friends, but I really was there because I was like, I just need to get my degree and get the hell out of here. I was tightly gripping onto my life. Like I had the exact game plan for what I thought was going to happen. And then I don't know what happened. I don't know what sort of shift happened. Maybe I was just really looking at what, what everyone else was doing and almost feeling like, wait, I really want to be like that. Not in a way where it was like, I want to be totally not myself and change into a different person. But I was like, I wish that I could let go like these people do. And I wish that I could be a bit more comfortable with the unknown and with kind of just going with the flow and seeing what happens. But I'm just not cool. I'm not chill enough for that. (laughs) Maybe also not cool enough for that. But I was just not chill, okay? I was not chill at all. I was the queen of control, of poise, of having my shit together until I wasn't. Like I loosened my grip a little bit very slowly over time And eventually, I kind of woke up one day and I was like, wow, I'm actually living right now. I'm not just, you know, doing things because I want people to see me and be like, oh, that girl's her life together. Like, that was mainly my motivation, I think. It was like, yes, I felt like if I was doing things by the book, like I was doing – I deserved a pat on the back maybe. But I also just loved that people referred to me as someone who had their shit together because I didn't really have anything else going for me. Like, I didn't feel like I – was very funny, or I just personally thought that maybe my thing, like my shtick, my niche, was just being organized. <laughs> like I don't know, like never being hungover. Like I don't know that that sort of thing. And that was in high school. That's how I felt. And so I found myself just slowly loosening the grip. Maybe it's just because I've been holding on so tight for so long. I was just like, well, let me just try something different. Like I'm tired of this. I'm bored. But slowly, I just started to let myself live. I started to look at other people and not completely live my life exactly like theirs, but I took some cues from people that I met and I was like, wow, you are actually really great. And look, you actually live. You don't do everything premeditated and aggressively plan your life. You kind of let things go and happen. And that's really inspiring. So I started doing that. I started letting myself live in college. What a concept. I went to parties. I kissed boys. I skipped class a couple times because I was hungover. But I made so many memories. I made so many stories. I made friends, real friends that I still have today. I let myself live and be a little bit messy. And I dip my toe into the unpredictability of new friendships and trying new things. And as I was like sitting at coffee with this girl and all of this was washing over me and I was remembering all of this and realizing how I changed from that first day freshman year to senior year, like how I was a different person in good ways, very, very good ways. And also, you know, some bad ways, obviously you develop habits in college that sometimes you're like, okay, that wasn't so great looking back. But now I've been out of college the same amount of time I was in college. So I've, grown even more. Like I'm just getting better every year. <laughs> and so I was just, I feel like being so mushy and just nostalgic, but I told my friend at coffee about this and I kind of watched her face change as she processed, as I was saying all the things I was just saying to you. Like I watched as this kind of realization washed over her face. Like she was considering the fact that she might really need this sort of thing. This sort of living in her life like what would happen if maybe she stopped forcing things and trying to you know skip forward too many chapters and trying to be so perfect it's hard as a model i can't even imagine like she was telling me how her current agency was like telling her she needs to drop weight for fashion week and i was sitting there oh my god i gave her all the advice i possibly could told her all of my feelings but i know when you're in it and people that maybe don't understand Are trying to tell you things like it's hard to hear it obviously but all that aside just kind of where i'm going with this story like this girl like me as a freshman just takes her life a little too seriously maybe or i just i don't want her to take her life too seriously if she hasn't already you know like she's very beyond her years to the point where she's trying to skip 17 chapters ahead and force things to happen that's exactly how I was, and why? Why are we like this? Well, obviously, we're trying to be efficient. We want to cut out all the busy work. It's like when you're in school and you're like, "Okay, just give me the the main project. Like, enough with all the busy work. Let's just get to all the main assignments so I can be done with this class. Like, I hate feeling like I'm wasting time. Don't take this the wrong way, but when <laughs> I started at L'Oreal, like at my first corporate job, which I always go back to, is something that taught me a lot. There was this phase of onboarding, you know, when you get acquainted with the job, you just first began the job where you have to do all these like virtual training things. Like you have to do all these videos and take these quizzes on workplace conduct and what to do if someone's trying to be fraudulent or like all these things. And I just, oh, I remember hating it so much. I was like, this is just busy work. I know it's company policy and there's all these reasons why they do it, obviously, and you have to do it. But I'm like this, my time could be used in so many different ways right now. Like I could be doing so much more. I'm definitely one of those people that I have a very hard time sitting back and chilling and letting things happen. I am the queen of control. I need to feel like my efforts are doing the most with the time that I have. Like I have 24 hours in a day. Let me make sure I'm doing the most. So this was definitely something that caused some challenges for me when I was young because I've always been like this. And especially when no one takes you seriously when you're young, they're like, oh, just focus on being a teenager. Focus on being 16. Like make mistakes. Have fun. I was like, no, I'm good. Like that just feels like unnecessary. But really, truly, college for me was the time where I actually got to let go. And at the time, maybe sometimes I'd wake up and I'm like, I was stupid last night. That was a bad decision. Or I would find myself in like friend drama and stuff where I'm like, I literally hate this so much, but it was so good for my character development and my growth. I can't imagine if like I'd not gone through that. Like I think it would affect me in my 20s now and in my 30s. Like like you have to mess up sometime. You really do. It's essential. You have to. You have to let yourself take risks to the point where you will mess up because you kind of have to, to fuck up to fly, to get better, you know, to be the best version of yourself. Like every person who has accomplished anything huge or has consistently accomplished huge things, you'll ask them like, what are some mistakes you've made? And they'll give you a laundry list, you know? So when I was talking to this girl, I'm like, she feels like a mini me, like this person that wants to be perfect at everything. She wants to be able to, to be taken seriously. She wants to be this top model. She wants to be this like classic New York City girl coming from this Maryland town. That was like an ultimate dream. And I was just telling her, I'm like, I hate to be the one to say this because I feel like someone has said this to me and I hated them for saying it, but just focus on being 19. Focus on (laughs) making friends, on making connections because those connections could actually, yes, it's like, it's good for your character development and your growth and you need people to Get you through hard times sometimes. Like, you do need people to lean on. Humans crave connection. It's in our hardwiring. Like, we are that way. But also, you've heard the stories of people that were friends in college that ended up starting multi million billion dollar companies. And they met at a frat party or, you know, like a lot of people that have helped me in my life as a freelancer, as an influencer, a lot of these people are people that I've partied with or that I met on campus or that I met through someone that I know from college. Networking is huge. It's something that you shouldn't gloss over just because you're so ready to be done and to be on into like the big leagues and don't gloss over the people that you meet when you're having fun. That could be your ticket, you know? Anyway, so I want to tell you a few things that I told this friend of mine in, by ways of advice, I guess, things that I wish I'd known or things that I just know to be true about letting go and about perfectionism and about all those things. And the first thing that we talked about was, like, there's really no way to know up front if it's a wise investment. Like, letting go, letting life in and the fun and the mistakes and the learning, letting it all unfold as it will, there's no way of knowing if that's the smart thing to do. Like, I'll never know if I'd moved to L.A. and didn't go to college, like, would I be happier? I don't know. But that's the thing. Like, you can't obsess over it. You just do. You make one decision. You go down one road when you get to the fork and you shouldn't obsess because there's absolutely nothing you could do to change it. But when you come up to the fork, yeah, that's like a major moment where you're like, oh, shoot, like, should I go this way? Should I go that way? So there's no way to know. But you can and always should trust your instincts and just think about what you really need. Like what, kind of going back to last week's conversation of needs versus wants, like to know you're in a good relationship, it's because you guys agree on needs and you don't have to agree on wants. But when it comes to you, like what is the greater need deeply? Like what is something that you maybe don't even know you need, but something that you're just being drawn towards and you're realizing like if you don't do this thing, like you'll never get it or it'll expire. Like sure, I can go to college later in life and that's fine, but I'll only be like 19 years old and going to college and this young and hot and carefree once really. Like this is my shot. So I'll either take it and like experience life maybe and get out of maryland and try a new place like i went to north carolina for college see some other place like i knew that even if i didn't excel in my career at this given moment i knew something good would come of it even just a change of scenery even just something i can maybe talk about in a youtube video you know like i saw it as an opportunity i didn't really know what kind of opportunity but i just like i weighed the risks i weighed how important it was that i do this now like the timing just made sense And though I wasn't entirely, like, confident in my decision, even driving to college, my parents were dropping me off. I was like, this is a huge mistake I'm making, isn't it? All internally, I would never let my parents know that. I was like, I feel, like, unsure about this. But it's the same way that I feel when I'm going on a date and I'm in the Uber and I'm coming to the date, I'm like, Oh, shit. Like, I've already seen this guy multiple times. This is like the third date now. But is it too late to just turn around and go home because I feel uncomfortable? Like, doing anything uncomfortable, you're going to feel like a little bit of doubt or a lot of bit of doubt. But it's all about just, I don't know, choosing something that you feel like if it's going to make you uncomfortable, it's going to be a good uncomfortable. It's going to be something that's going to teach you. Right? Like, I know going on this date, if I get there and I hate my life, it's a good story. It's something that made me better for future dates. Like, the more you do it, the more comfortable you'll feel. It's actually true. Like, even after maybe four years, I still feel a little bit uneasy, but I definitely don't feel as, like, verge of throwing up uneasy as I did four years ago when I really started in the New York dating scene. So anyway, so I told her all of this and... We had a really good chat. I'm going to keep checking in on her because, like, she literally is going to school down the street from me. So I'm going to keep tabs because she is like a mini me and I just feel like every sign is pointing towards, like, this girl is who I was. It's crazy. But I was walking away from this coffee chat and I was – as I was doing it, I was just mentally kind of tallying up all these wonderful, beautiful things that I've gained in life because of my decision to really let myself live and really let myself experience things, even if I might wake up in the morning and be like, that was stupid or – I somehow like close my eyes some days and think of this really embarrassing thing I did like four years ago, confessing my love to someone at a frat party or like, you know what I mean? Like, and not even alcohol fueled, like not all of these bad decisions were, it was just me kind of getting out of my comfort zone and socializing for like the first time. Like I really wasn't a very social teenager until like I got to college and I started forcing myself to go and knock on people's doors and get invited to things and do things that, high school me would have rather died versus do. Like really get myself out there and do things that I maybe would regret in the moment. But later on, I realized how much stronger it made me. Like those sorts of things. So maybe it's because I'm turning 27 and I'm just feeling emotional over getting older and whatever. I don't know. Maybe it's just my 20s or like I'm on my period. But I was feeling so emo over the fact that I just kind of realized that at 19 years old, when I was this girl's age, I was aging myself for absolutely no reason. Like I finally at that point decided to let myself live and mess up. I gave myself permission to mess up, let go and let life in and just let things go and unfold and not try to force things so much. Like I definitely have a lot to learn, which I'll get into in a little bit, but this was kind of the time, like 19 years old, that was the year that things changed, that everything changed. I traded my business casual collared shirts under sweaters for a tube top and a sorority pin, metaphorically and literally. And because of that, I learned honestly like a dozen textbooks worth of knowledge, not just about random school subjects and communications and such, but mostly about people like in college at 19 years old, I began learning about people. I studied people, my friends, those I didn't even know. It's just you were exposed to so many lives and you had a little bit of free time to be able to really get to know and look. This sounds so creepy, guys. It sounds so creepy, but I actually, for the first time, really cared about other people or cared enough to like study them. And because of that, I became a better, stronger one myself. Like my confidence and way of marketing myself It's been a massive reason for my success online and how I'm able to live this New York City life that I live, feeling pretty confident most of the time. And if you really look at me, like really look not so much at my physical exterior, but like really look at me. If you look at yourself even and like who you are, how you are, what you find funny, what you find interesting, how you describe things, how you meet someone, how you make them feel loved, like a lot of these things are borrowed ways of being and ways of doing like it's things that you've witnessed other people do like you met someone and they act a certain way towards you and you realized oh wow that like i feel really loved I feel really welcome. I feel really warm because of this. So maybe I should start acting more like that. Like it's maybe not copying per se. You're not copying someone's entire way of being, but it's a combination of every single person you've ever met in your life. And prior to college, I really didn't care about other people in that way. I didn't care to take any notes. I didn't care because I didn't feel respected by many people in my high school I didn't feel like anyone was worth being like you know because I was bullied you know by a lot of these people why would I want to be like them this morning in my book club group chat which is like 35 people in this group chat we have this book club we meet every month we read The Perfect Marriage we're meeting in like 2 weeks to talk about it and it's all these girls like I would say majority of them like like 90% of them I didn't know when I started joining the book club or I, the first meeting I went to was like a year ago and I didn't know anyone besides the girl who started it. And this one other girl friend of mine, like I just knew two people probably in the whole thing. And now like we were talking about something in the chat, just unrelated, like something related to the book, but like about this weekend, the weather, I don't even know. And someone was like, Katie, like happy almost birthday. And I'm like, I was shocked to see it because like it made my heart swell. I'm like, wow. And everyone started liking the message and everyone's coming to my birthday party. I don't know why, but like every time something like this happens, like someone is just kind to me out of nowhere in a group sort of setting, even like in a group chat. I'm like, whoa, this is shocking. This is shocking. Like I just, I appreciate it so much. I don't want people to pity me or whatever, but I finally feel like for the first time in my life, like this past few years, I'm finally the person that I always knew that I could be if I would trusted people a little bit more if i'd let love in if i'd let myself live and experience and not be such a perfectionist and i finally feel like i am loved and maybe it's not in the way that i thought like you know i don't have a boyfriend or a fiance or whatever. And I've always had love for my family. And that's something I'm so blessed to be able to say. But when it comes to friendships, I've always had a hard time. I've had a hard time knowing who to trust, like really, really hard time. And now I can confidently say that I feel comfortable. I do. And I think a lot of it is because of college because I finally understand people a little bit more. I know that people are multi-layered, they're like onions and it's not like everyone is just born mean and cruel. I now understand more and I think college is a huge reason for that. And if I didn't go out and experience people in their most vulnerable states at parties and, you know, brand new friends, like people I just met, like when you meet someone for the first time, there are so many clues that like you can really Start to crack and figure out who they are just after like a few times seeing them and meeting them, and you can crack into their interiors and figure out who they are and why they are the way they are. And people will confess things to you, and it all of this wrapped in like I'm just fascinated by people these days, and like just getting to know different ones. (laughs) It's like I'm studying other people. Like every time I meet someone, I'm studying them because I am. That's probably why it seems like that because I am, but. All of this is just making me better at what I do and better at being a good one, you know? My best opportunities in my career, in my life, have arisen mostly because I knew someone who knew someone who knew someone who knew someone who thought that I'd be a good fit for the project. Like, knowing people was important. And now with social media, it's possible to know more people than ever before, which is a great thing sometimes and an overwhelming thing other times. But, you know, so many of the best things in my life have come to me, have shot into my orbit, a lot of times, super unexpectedly, and not because I've forced it to happen. You know, there's a big difference between being determined and being obsessed. And determination is a good thing, like pushing you towards good things, pushing your boulder up the hill, despite the fact that it's grueling and very tiresome. It's good, but if you allow your determination to morph into obsession and in turn, like resort to forcing things to happen that just aren't meant to happen, like for example, when I was younger and trying to just, you know, glaze over college and just, like, get to the next point of my life, like, the 13 going on 30 mindset, like, you're not meant to be there yet. Like, you will only end up feeling defeated if you're just obsessed with getting there. It's not determination. It's obsession. It's different. So, yeah. I want to talk about something that I learned about that actually goes hand in hand with this, and it's called Do Nothing Farming. If you've heard of this, great, fabulous, we're going to talk more about it. But if you haven't, you're like, what the heck, farming, even more fabulous, because I'm going to blow your mind. Well, I don't know how blown. I felt like my mind was blown, but I just like love random fun facts and stories, and this is one of them. <laughs> so this is actually by far the most interesting concept I've read about this week, or perhaps even this month. And it like pairs perfectly with the conversation about forcing things, about letting go, about uh people even, you know? So let's go back in time. We're going back to the year 1937. This was the year that obviously a million things happened, as many things tend to happen in one year, 12 months. But to name one of those things, a Japanese agricultural scientist named Masanobu Fukuoka was hospitalized he had a terrible case of pneumonia i've had pneumonia before and let me tell you it's not fun like his case was actually so bad and it was also 1937 medicine was different then that he seriously thought he was going to die like he thought this was the last week of his life he had such a bad case of pneumonia and he was probably hallucinating probably feverish all sorts of things so one night he actually fell asleep against the trunk of a large tree when he woke up from his nap he saw something incredible. He noticed this heron in the night flying towards the harbor, and just the sight of this, and perhaps a high fever, it all sparked a major epiphany. A source that I found said this of Masanobu's pneumonia born epiphany. It was an experience that caused him to start thinking about larger issues of life and death, He saw that nature was completely interconnected, that it was operating perfectly. It was just ideal. In other words, humans were taking this perfect harmonious thing, like just the way of nature and all of its systems working together and fucking it up. Like humans tack on values like good and bad, good insects versus bad insects that are called pests, like good things, bad things, good methods for doing things, bad methods for doing things, all these things like we've made. Good and evil, like we've decided this is good, this is evil, this is, you know, creating this kind of black and white discrimination, which does not exist in the world of nature, only in the world of human. Masanobu realized how pointless it was to try to understand and control one's environment. Rather than always attempting to solve problems through actions, like, okay, what can I do to fix things? What steps can I take? What do I have to do? Masanobu began to adopt a more subtractive approach. So calmly stepping back from a problem or from just something you're doing instead of anxiously leaping forward, per se. So instead of action, he would actually experiment with inaction, with doing less. It's kind of like that quote that I've heard that's in ancient texts. I don't remember which one specifically. Like, the world is won by those who let it go. But the more you try and try, the world is beyond the winning. Masanobu reacted similarly to anyone else who's had a major epiphany. He wanted to share it with everyone. He wanted everyone to see and come to his realization. He tried to explain it. He tried to explain what he'd seen in his feverish epiphany moment of seeing his heron take off across the river and thought that his coworkers and even, you know, people on the streets would get it. But they didn't get it. Why would they want to do less? Like, why would they want to go backwards in terms of their methods for doing things why would they want to simplify things and completely neglect all of the headway and the blueprints that their ancestors had made to get things done and to get more things done quicker like why would they want to go back to when things were harder like science and technology was about to bring ease and abundance into their lives and it's only 1937 so they knew better things were coming why would they want to go back in time So what Masanobu decided to do to prove his epiphany, to really show people, like, no, this is the way, he would actually end up going back to his farm and would make things pretty visual. Like, he tried to apply this newfound understanding to his farm, to agriculture, So instead of controlling the land by flooding it and forcing crops to grow during a certain season, because that's what people had learned to do, Masanobu developed a special technique that worked with the land's natural biodiversity, the life cycles, the ecosystem, worked with it, not against it. He wouldn't force anything. He would just let it be. People probably thought that Masanobu was bonkers for this, like their ancestors had spent years and years coming up with a way of doing things agriculturally, like how to properly run a farm, and Masanobu was like, nah, let's go back to like the Stone Ages, let's go back in time and pretty much erase all of that hard work and... All the procedure he called his concept do nothing farming masanobu went on to write a book about his experiment called the one straw revolution and in the book he said i was aiming at a pleasant natural way of farming which results in making the work easier instead of harder do nothing farming doesn't mean that farmers abandon the land entirely like they monitor and maintain the crops but only when absolutely necessary and without over-engineering it with pesticides, with weeding, fertilization. Do-nothing farming requires farmers to work with the land instead of against it. Put simply, it's about going with the flow. Like they only step in and intervene when absolutely necessary. Like kind of like the opposite of a, a helicopter parent, like one that lets the child grow and learn and be without suffocating them too much and coddling, like only stepping in when they're about to jump off a cliff or something, you know? That's a little bit exaggerated, but you know what I mean? So to note one of Masanobu's farming practices kind of as an example to give you an idea he insists that plowing his plot soil is a destructive intervention into nature. So although it's been done for centuries it is according to him an example of humanity's meddling in nature and creates more problems than it's worth. So not only this is his thinking it is plowing the soil an unnecessary physical exertion, like it takes a lot of time and a lot of manpower, but it also encourages the growth of weeds. In natural conditions of abundance, plowing is unnecessary as the soil is naturally aerated by the the roots of plants and the movement of worms and other things that call the soil home. Like it's naturally done. You don't need to bring in the plow, according to Masanobu. He just let his soil be. He let it happen. Whatever was going to happen, he let it happen. So Masanobu went on to run a very successful farm and people began to take him seriously all while living with this do nothing farming mentality, consciously doing less. So maybe not nothing per se, but far less than was customary. That had been done more recently because, oh, well, like this is, you know, going to produce more, it's going to be better, but it also requires a lot of work. Like, he was like, let me just let nature do its thing, let things unfold as they may, and, like, maybe it'll be better. Like, the world is won by those who let it go. This do-nothing farming concept, Masanobu, this guy, really inspired me reading this story. Like, how he was able to be so successful with this completely different approach of, like, letting life happen, letting nature happen, because... Before we were even here, before we sprung up all these skyscrapers and caused all these problems, (laughs) like global warming and everything, the world, like the ecosystems just coexist and everything naturally fits together like a puzzle. And we come in and try to completely go against all of this and make our own stuff, make our own rules, make our own ways of doing things. And sometimes it's great. Sometimes it's innovative. Like we make things easier, for a lot of people, but then other ways it's like, oh, are we kind of overcomplicating this? Are we doing too much? Like, is this necessary? Could we get the same result by doing a little bit less and just kind of trusting how things are naturally unfolding? I don't know. I just need to be a little bit more like that. I need to be a little bit more do-nothing farming approach when it comes to my life because I am kind of a do-everything, no matter the cost sort of farmer at the moment. Like, that is how I am. Like, I do-everything farmer. Like, though I'm better than I used to be, a little bit less uptight and more comfortable with the uncomfortable and with change and making friends and doing things like I'm still struggling. I still struggle. I still deal with the desire to force the hand of whoever's writing my story, the writer of my life. Like, yes, maybe it's me. Maybe it's someone else. Like, I don't know. Like, whoever, whatever the driving force of the things that happen in my life, I'm like, oh, maybe I can, like, figure out how to make this happen instead. Or like, I really try to force and finagle things and skip ahead and I need to be more comfortable with letting things happen, going with the flow, like obviously standing up for myself and standing up for what I believe in and making changes when I really feel passionately, but it's stuff that I need to just relax. Like I I really don't know the last time I took a deep breath and really sat with it and didn't think about work or about a relationship that I want or something like that, you know. I know what I want for my life and I try so desperately to get it, but it's so much so that it's far past the threshold of just, like I said earlier, being determined and it's treading into the category of being obsessive. Like I'm so hyper fixated on obtaining certain things that I feel like are lacking in my life that I truly am so hard on myself. I don't take care of myself sometimes and I'm allowing myself to do things that just do not bring me joy, that are so out of character and that make me feel used and horrible about myself. And it's all because I'm like, let me do it all. Let me get it all. I need it right now. I need it now. you know i'm a do everything no matter the cost sort of farmer when i need to be more of a do nothing farmer when it comes to my life like maybe i don't need to plow my soil so much maybe masanobu was really onto something with that like perhaps the roots and the plants that i've grown and the worms that are wiggling underneath all the things that i've grown in my life like are enough right now to keep my soil healthy and aerated and my plants growing tall and fruitful like maybe i need to just see what happens and let life happen A little bit and stop trying to grasp the reins so tightly white knuckled grip on everything that's happening i need to just relax a little bit so that is what i plan on doing (laughs) in my 27th year a little bit more obviously not a do nothing farmer but a do a lot less farmer maybe like in terms of control definitely in, in the realm of control and how i cultivate my crops you know capisce makes sense anyway guys thank you guys for listening to this episode of thick and thin i'm going to come back next week with another episode on thursday as per usual and i will talk to you guys then when i'm officially 27 oh my god huge crazy wild love you guys thank you for listening i'll talk to you later bye